Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We are entering the Mayfield Matrix. Like it or not, Doug Maurice, Scott Pasco, Ashley Bastock, Dan Lobby, and Mary Kay Cabot. This is what we're going to do for the next couple of days. We're going to look at the options the Browns could have with Baker Mayfield. Now that they have said Baker Mayfield will be back in year five as the Browns starting quarterback, we want to see like, what, what would you guys do if you were in charge of running the Browns? And we're going to roll out five scenarios over the next couple of days on cleveland.com and written pieces. And then also here in podcast form, hopefully smart, short podcast form about these five options. And the five options are sort of linked to what has happened with some other recent quarterbacks, other recent decisions that teams had. The options are these stick with Baker Mayfield in fifth in his fifth year with no extension, but he's clearly the guy. And the comparison for that is what Jamison Winston, uh, Jameis Winston did in year five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The other options are bring in a solid, pretty good veteran as some sort of backup or competition, draft a quarterback as some sort of backup or competition, actually sign Mayfield to some kind of maybe small extension, which is what happened with Blake Bortles, um, or actually have him not be here, that the Browns are saying this now, but is there some world where maybe the Browns would trade him for a different quarterback like the Rams did with Jared Goff? But we are going to focus on the Jameis Winston option, which is what the Bucks did in year five. And Dan, we'll start with this because you sort of brought this up. There, there is a pretty remarkable statistical comparison between Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. They were both Heisman Trophy winners. They were both the number one overall pick in their drafts. And they both through four years, at least on the stat sheet, were pretty similar. Yeah, and I, I it was it's so close. Like I almost think there's an error on pro football reference. Like there, there's some sort of number that's wrong or something, but uh, Baker start Baker has played more games, uh, you know, but it's completion percentage for both 61.6%. This is over their first four years. So this is not including Jameis's fifth year when he threw 30 interceptions. This is just the first four years for each guy. Uh, Jameis 14,628 yards, Baker 14,125 yards. Baker, 92 touchdowns to 88 for Winston. Winston, 58 interceptions to 56 for Baker. Uh, Their quarterback rating, identical, 87.8 over their first four years. And and honestly, even when you factor in rushing, I mean, Jameis is not really a runner, so he's only got about 200 more rushing yards than Baker over his first four years. Uh, Sacks, Baker, 134. Jameis, 122. 
very, very similar numbers. I would recommend any listener out there go to Pro Football Reference, find their player comparison, put in the first four years for Jameis. And it's kind of jarring. How I didn't expect them to be that similar. So Jameis Winston had a year, I think it was in year four, where he was suspended at the start of the year for three games. He had Ryan Fitzpatrick in there with him. Fitzpatrick played some in that year, but then Fitzpatrick left for year five. They brought in Blaine Gabbert, who was kind of like a meh. Jameis Winston, when he came back in year five, played like practically every single snap for Tampa. They were all in with that dude. He led the NFL in passing yards. He led the NFL in interceptions. And then he was gone after year five. And they dropped Tom Brady right in the Jameis Winston slot and won the Super Bowl. So that's the scenario. There's one other somewhat similar year five scenario that works out a little better for the quarterback and the team that we can talk about. But let's talk about this idea that it's Baker and basically only Baker. That it, they are not trying to give themselves another option in 2022. Who likes that idea? Who thinks that is an interesting, good path for the Browns and the quarterback? He's back, no extension, but he's clearly the guy. I like it. I, I like it because of what we saw in 2020. Um, I mean, clearly his his career has been a roller coaster. It's been up and down. And the fact that he hasn't put together two back-to-back questionable seasons, I think is why we're here. If this season had happened in, obviously, you know, in Stefanski's first year, it it's a different scenario altogether, but the fact that we saw him play at a really high level and have this offense performing at a high level uh, in 2020, I think makes me want to see what he can do healthy again with that continuity that he had coming into this past season. And perhaps with some maybe more consistency from receivers around him. I also want to ask a specific thing about the potential pros of an approach like this. Does anyone believe that committing in a full-throated way to Baker Mayfield is in itself something that may help him play better, right? That, that the commitment itself would maybe lead to the best version of Baker Mayfield you could get. You know what? I'm going to say yes to that um, because uh, I think that so many things went wrong Uh this season offensively. And if you really dig in uh, there, there were a lot of things on his plate as a player that just did not go well around him at all. And we've talked about them a lot, but just very, very quickly injured tackles, no Kareem hunt Odell bolts in the middle of the season. He gets injured. Kevin has to call plays a certain way. Uh, His confidence waned. And so, yes, I do think a full commitment uh, to Baker Mayfield would actually make uh, a big difference. And I think, a rebuild of the confidence is huge. And that's one of the reasons why I might advocate trying to bring back a Jarvis Landry to help with Baker's confidence and give him someone like that, that he feels comfortable with. Also, that's why I wouldn't be completely opposed to Case Keenum coming back in this situation, as opposed to having him look over his shoulder at a Mitch Trubisky. So just in sticking with this plan, a Case Keenum is his sounding board. A Case Keenum is his mentor. Somebody that he doesn't have to worry about is going to come in and steal his starting job, but that he can confide in and be there for. So in in terms of Baker coming back, this is not the worst option that you could possibly have. Yeah, I think I agree with Mary, pretty much everything Mary Kay said. I mean, I think when you 
look at Baker, I don't know that he is kind of like a player. Like I obviously just did that huge story on JOK where like he told me he essentially looks at Twitter and seeks out negative comments about himself sometimes because he needs that. I think Baker is kind of the opposite. I think sometimes he maybe has two like rabbit ears in that regard when he shouldn't. I think in his mind, a lot of his issues this year had to do with his injury. So if the team does do this, it, it kind of gives him that reassurance that like, okay, we're on the same page. They still think I can do this. And I think when you look at his career, he's kind of a quarterback. And we've talked about this multiple times that everything has to be perfect around him. It has to kind of be a perfect storm. Um, and that's fine if you want to go that route. But I think that would become part of it too. I'm like that on Twitter too. I seek out negative comments about myself, but then when I see them, well, it's I just probably feel- easier for you than JOK to find those. I seek out negative comments about Doug too. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that I am, I've always been interested in the sort of looking over the shoulder aspect of quarterback play. I feel like with my own eyes, I've seen it at times at Ohio state where it has been real and it has not helped the team. Dan, do you, do you think that Baker would be a guy who full steam ahead with me would actually affect his performance, that he will play better if he's not looking over his shoulder. I almost wonder if he would play better if he were looking over his shoulder, if he's like that, if he's like that type of guy. And I don't know that that's necessarily healthy and that's certainly not a long-term, you know, you can't, you can't just have Baker be your quarterback for the next 10 years and have a guy behind him that's going to try to take his job. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of the opposite with him. I do think it affects guys differently, right? I mean, you mentioned it at Ohio State, and especially now with the way Ryan Day is recruiting quarterbacks. I mean, he's bringing in quarterbacks like crazy. So we saw, right, there was a potential where C.J. Stroud would have spent the season looking over his shoulder at Quinn Ewers and, like, not played the way he did. But he obviously responded differently. So I think I think guys respond differently. And I do feel like Baker, if you pushed him a little – maybe he would respond in, in a positive way and maybe it would kind of push him to an extent, but I think that only goes so far. Um, it only goes so far in the NFL. I think. All right, quick break. We'll be right back on the orange Brown talk podcast in the Bayfield matrix. What are the cons of this approach of being fully throated committed to Baker Mayfield next after this? Okay. So it feels like, you know, maybe this might be the kind of strategy the Browns are leading to. Again, we're going to cover three other options in this series that, involve Baker being here in 2022, but maybe some different scenarios around that. Who has anything that, that there's a, a negative possibly out of a situation like this, that you sort of don't have a backup built into the process. Mary Kay, what could be the negative side of a, this approach? I see two possible negatives to this approach. Uh, number one, uh, that, that maybe everyone overestimated that Baker had a rough season because of the harness and end of his injuries. There's been a lot of talk about that. We heard all these players saying, oh, he was out there. He was playing so hurt. He was playing so injured. Uh, So for anyone to think, for everyone to think, Baker's just going to come back and be um, 10,000 times better version of himself once he doesn't have the harness on. uh, I think that uh, everyone needs to pump the brakes on that narrative a little bit because there probably are other things. He has processing issues, not always going to the right place with the ball, not getting the ball out quick enough, 
I think those things will probably all get better with an upgraded uh, receiving core, which they must have. Um, but then the other thing is defenses seem to have dug in there and found a, a way to defend Baker Mayfield um, much better than they were doing at the end of 2020. And plus they also played a lot of inferior defenses, past defenses at the end of 2020. There were a lot of bad pass defenses. And so I think they dug into the film and they are finding ways to defend Baker Mayfield, take away some of the rollouts, boot, bootlegs, keepers, and things like that. And maybe even solving the play action to a degree, like we've seen defenses do with other teams. They're sort of figuring that offense out a little bit. So they're going to have to beat that. They're going to have to beat whatever defenses we're doing to minimize Baker Mayfield and make sure that they can overcome it. So those are two things that, you know, that I would think, okay, maybe coming back might not work out exactly as everyone hopes. But if, if you, if they move forward with, with the fifth year option, they do not bring in any significant competition, whether it, you know, it's cases of backup or whatever, if it's clearly Baker is, is, is the guy from the start, then you're banking on number one, like Mary Kay said, him getting healthy there's the fact that he has not played a full season at a high level, right? All these good seasons are, that we talk about with him are mostly half seasons where he's, where things have clicked halfway through, or there's been a, you know, a coordinator change or coach change halfway through. It's, there's always been something like that. So you haven't seen that yet from him. The other issue with, with playing this out is there will be a point during that season where there's going to have to be a decision made and it'll probably be, and if it's, if you get halfway through the season and you're still not sure, then you have to figure out what that means. And whatever, if, if it ultimately is Baker's not the guy, then you're kind of in somewhat of a scramble mode then because you put yourself into this small box or small window of having to deal with the quarterback position, you know, whether it's drafting somebody or, or hoping that somebody you want uh, who can, who can come in here and play, with Stefanski is available. So you're just, you're, you're kind of shrinking your, your available months to, to get something done there. Yeah. I was going to say like the issue is what if it doesn't work? Like, like, you know, there are other options that we're going to talk about later this week that I think give the Browns more of a cushion. If this doesn't play out where Baker is the guy long-term. Um, and that obviously is still a possibility because we're talking about months or, or years down the line from now. So um, I just think when looking at all of these options that we're going to lay out, this is not, it's not the worst one. It's not my favorite, but this lack of, of a safety net is concerning with this one. I think. I think my biggest con to this is what are the ripple effects if it doesn't work? So, right. I mean, that's the obvious one is they bring him back for his fifth year option. There's no plan B and like, Oh, guess what? He's not the guy we're going to move on. But are there ripple effects beyond that to where if they bring him back and he's not good and the team goes seven and 10 or eight and nine again, how does that impact Kevin Stefanski? How does that impact Andrew Barry? Is, is this a situation where, you know, but look, they, they dropped Tom Brady in with Bruce Arians. They didn't fire Bruce Arians. 
They, they just dropped Tom Brady in with Bruce Arians. He didn't go anywhere. Now, Bruce was not there the whole time during the, the Jameis experiment. And that's so an I important that's, point. That's an important point we'll get to, Dan. Okay. I, I think that's one of the cons. I, I think that's a con, and like you said, that we're going to get to it. If they look at this and they say, okay, Kevin and Andrew, you're tying yourselves to Baker, and he comes back and he stinks, is it just going to be, okay, move on, and you guys get another guy? Or is it going to be... Hey, you guys blew it and everybody's gone. And I, I think that's the, that's the big, big downside. So one of the big distinctions between what Tampa did with Jameis Winston and what the Browns will be doing with Baker Mayfield is Bruce Arians came in as the new coach in year five of Jameis Winston. So they didn't run everything back. They almost said, well, we'll keep the quarterback on year five with no extension and change the coach and see what that does for Jameis Winston. And it turns out, all Bruce Arians did was make Jameis Winston more Jameis Winston-ier because he threw for more yards. He threw more interceptions. He was just more of everything he was before, which is sort of like a high volume, high yardage, high interception, not really winning quarterback. And then they were like, okay, well, we gave it a shot with the new guy in year five. And then they moved on. That is not at all what the Browns are doing. This is like running it back. Like let's do year three, just that almost like, well, we have two years of evidence with Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield, but we don't know what the evidence is telling us. So we're going to try one more year of it. That is different for sure. And then I do think one of the cons, and I don't know, I'd be curious to hear if you guys think this is real. Again, we've talked about like this young core, not that it's, I don't want to use the word wasting, but if you run it back, you stay, you keep the quarterback and it doesn't work. And then it's year six of Miles Garrett. Year six in the NFL. And it's another year of Chubb and Ward and, and Miles Garrett and all these guys where maybe if you don't have any other options, the quarterback kind of, again, is holding you back. And I think that's a lost year, which is valuable in itself. But Dan, you're talking about ripple effects. I don't know if anybody would think would that have any kind of effect on the players? I'm like, listen, man, got him out here busting my butt. We, the quarterback, we weren't really sure about him, and you guys just brought him back again, and now I'm busting my butt again, and he still wasn't good enough. Would that, you know, that's a possibility at least. Would that have any effect beyond even how it affects Barry and Stefanski? Could it affect the culture of the team and how players think? Can I can I add something real quick before on that coaching thing because I think it's interesting. They kind of brought Bruce Arians in thinking like hey, maybe this aggressive downfield passing attack will be exactly what Jameis needs, right? And it just turned into a disaster for him. And it does feel like they brought Kevin in in this offense thinking, oh, this will be great for Baker. And it kind of worked until it didn't. It's, it's just sort of a, 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 weird, uh, a weird parallel. I think that window is interesting. Listen, Baker's going to be 27. I, I, I think people need to understand. This guy isn't young. He, he's not like 24. I mean, he is by a few months, he's older than Patrick Mahomes. He's older than Deshaun Watson. He's older than Lamar Jackson. He's older than Miles Garrett. He's, you know, his body's not going to break down tomorrow, but or I don't know, maybe it will, maybe it already started, but this isn't like a 24 year old quarterback. Jameis Winston was what 25 in his fifth year option. Yes. You kind of got to know what Baker is at age 27, I think. So, you know, I, I think that's an interesting point is the whole, the, the kind of window here. They've built this really young core, but like that young core is starting to enter its prime with some of these guys. 
Yeah, Doug, you know how I feel about agreeing with you, but I had the same thought as Dan was talking. I swear, like, I mean, even from what we heard yesterday or two days ago with the players in these exit meeting interviews that we did on Monday, guys were essentially saying like they don't feel like the camaraderie was there between the offense and the defense, right? And obviously, I think you can blame some of that on COVID. They're not even in the same locker room. But think about all the issues this year where like, the Baltimore game being the prime example where Miles Garrett is up at that podium talking about how this was their best shot at Lamar Jackson because they intercepted him four times and the offense couldn't turn that into points. Like, I think we saw that frustration build and next year, if, if the same things are happening and the same things are going to be in issues, I think those guys potentially that could be extremely alienating, like publicly, in the locker room, whatever. I mean, I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think that, and it runs even a little deeper than that. So you do have, uh, as Dan and Ashley have been mentioning, uh, you do have uh, defensive guys that are letting the cat slip out of the bag a little bit that, yeah, maybe we weren't always thrilled with only the offense only scoring 17 points. And maybe uh, when you hear JJ3 say it's mandatory to get points after turnover. So uh, there's little stuff like this going on. And I heard things throughout the season uh, about, you know, some, uh, some little rumblings about how uh, defensive guys were, uh, you know, just wishing that there was a little bit uh, more offense going on. Uh, But, but there's another thing uh, to consider here when we're just talking about teammates, culture, players and stuff like that about this. And that is uh, something happened between Baker Mayfield and DPJ in the second half of the season where they stopped being able to connect uh, together. They just did not look good together anymore. And then Austin Hooper, it's the same thing with Austin Hooper. I don't see any chemistry or very much chemistry at all between Baker Mayfield and Austin Hooper. So there's this whole, uh, other side of it, defense aside of attracting good receivers that would want to come here and, and play with Baker Mayfield. And what do you do about the guys that are here and they don't look like they're that good anymore, potentially because of things that went on. Now, if you change up things, like if you, if you have a really good number one and a really good number two receiver that takes some heat off DPJ um, whatever, Austin Hooper. I mean, if, if everything gets better, then I think Baker gets better with everybody. So maybe these things will just fall by the wayside next year. But I do think that there's this, that, that vibe uh, of where are we going with this and, and how are we going to get to the Super Bowl in this small window that we have? I do think that we're saying like, hey, when, when the Bucks ran it back with Winston, something major changed around him. They changed the coach. I do think the idea of changing the receiver room to a somewhat significant degree would be the thing that like, it's not exactly static. It's not completely running it back that if you draft a receiver at number one, or you get a big time free agent receiver or both, and then you add them to Baker Mayfield. I do think at least you're Scott, I can see you reacting a little bit. Just like it would at least change something that it's not only get Baker healthy and run it all back. It's enough of a change that maybe it could lead you to say, okay, well then all in with him, give him better weapons and then we'll see. 
Or you, you know, you bring in new receivers and you go through the first few games of the year and things aren't really clicking. And the narrative is it's going to take time for Baker and these receivers to get on the same page. And, and where are you? You're, you're, you're kind of in limbo waiting for, waiting for answers to appear. And I do think at every level of football, the maybe limbo with a quarterback is worse than a no. A quick no is better than a long maybe because you're trying to get to yes. And the pursuit of trying to turn your maybe into a yes, that it's like, well, we brought him back for year five. Well, we franchised him in year six. Well, that can lead you down the road to ruin that you, you sort of have to make a decision because if a guy's really a maybe, maybe there's a yes waiting out there, but maybe the yes is Baker Mayfield. But it, at some point, you have to decide how long are we going to wait for it to turn into a yes. All right, let's do this. And, and just just ahead, real, quick to, real quick to piggyback off what Scott said. I, I do think it's like, I mean, didn't we spend all offseason talking about how amazing these weapons were? And I understand that we're changed. I look, I understand Kareem Hunt missed time. I understand Odell Beckham Jr. got traded or not traded, got cut after Halloween. But like we spent all offseason talking about how amazing these weapons were on, on, on this very podcast. I think we all did. And are, are we going to do that again this offseason? And then we're going to be sitting there again around Halloween saying, man, Browns really need some, some better receivers. All right. So let's look at this then from the Browns perspective. We've, we've established the facts of the case around the history of this. Again, it just has not happened very much. The, of the 25 first-round quarterbacks since 2011, the only other two to play on their fifth-year option in year five without an extension to play on the fifth-year option with the same team was Jameis Winston, who didn't have a backup, and Marcus Mariota, who will be the next podcast because they did bring in somebody in his fifth year. But it's very unusual to even reach this point. You're either Usually you're either gone, about half the time you're gone, or about half the time you have an extension by now. Very seldom are you on this path. Why are the Browns here? Why is this right for the Browns? Why would the Browns view this this way? Is it they believe in it. This is this is just what absolutely makes the most sense. They don't want to bring in too much competition because they think the best way to get something out of Baker is this, or is it sort of like, well, we're not exactly sure there's a, another great option staring us in the face. From the, the Browns' view, why does this option make sense? You know, I think the first thing um, is, you know, financially, well, not that's, that's not the first thing. That's part of it. The first thing I think is the fact that at this very moment, as we sit here on January or whatever it is, um, that they don't think that there's another better option for them. If they did think at this moment that another option would present itself, I think that they would be very much interested in upgrading their quarterback position. Um, the other aspect of it is, I think that when you take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, they do think that it will uh, improve, that he will improve and the offense and the passing game will improve next season. And then there is the financial aspect of it, that $18.8 million is not a lot of money for, um, you know, for a, a starting quarterback. It's just not, I mean, it's, it's less than, less than half of, of what the top-notch quarterbacks are going to be making. So it's, it's a bargain basement price, really, for a starting quarterback, even if you have to have another guy at that similar price on the roster in some way, shape, or form. So I think from a money standpoint, uh, it's like, oh, you know, that's $2 million more than Jarvis Landry was supposed to make next or is supposed to make next year. And that's about what Denzel Ward 
would make if he gets his new money contract, about 18 million. It's not a lot of money at all. So I think that coupled with the fact that they think, hey, maybe Jack Conklin will be back and maybe we'll have two new receivers and, uh, you know, maybe Kareem Hunt will have a healthy season and maybe Baker's harness, you know, did impact him some. I think all of those things say to them, let's run this back and see what we can get. Yeah, 2020 and injuries. That's why we're here. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and that that worries me because, again, it's never going to be perfect. Right. Like, never. It, it's never going to be perfect around him. He's never going to be 100% healthy. Like, the, I mean, this is just – obviously, again, sometimes it's which guy gets hurt. It's not how many guys get hurt. It's, hurt. it's which guys. That's sort of the luck of football. But, like, if the expectation is everything's going to be perfect – well, then congrats on your week one win. What are you going to do after that? All right, last break here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We'll come back and rate our opinion on this option. All in with Baker Mayfield with no extension. Scale of one to 10, what do we think? We'll do that next. Doug, back with Scott, Ashley, Mary Kay, and Dan. The one thing I want to add before we do our things is there, there is the clean break part of this that that's the final component of the Winston situation, which is they were all in still on year five on their guy. And then when he was clearly a no, they didn't wait anymore. After that, they brought in the greatest quarterback ever dropped him right into a team that was ready to win. Otherwise with a defense that was ready to win with skill guys that were ready to win. And they won the Super Bowl. So I do think, you know, the idea that if you go all in with Baker Mayfield in year five, it doesn't have to hold you back because you can till continue to improve the roster to make this a winning place. And then if he's not the guy in year five, is Tom Brady going to be waiting? No, it might not be Tom Brady, but as I think you can look at quarterbacks in the NFL in two ways. On one hand, it's like, it can feel like impossible to find one. Oh my God. It's the Holy grail. We got to get a quarterback. How do you get one? And the other hand, it's like, sometimes you look around and say, we could do that. So I do think you could say after year five, if it doesn't work, clean break, great situation, new guy, win immediately. This does not have to hold the Browns back long term if it doesn't work in year five. And if it does work in year five, then it turns out, hey, we didn't give up too early on a guy that we sort of thought showed some stuff. And holy moly. We got receivers. We got the harness off. Jack Conklin's back. Stefanski loosened up the playbook a little bit. They get on the same page and boom, we've got our franchise quarterback. So there are still two ways that you could wind up there by going all in with Baker Mayfield in 2022. One to 10. One is I hate this option. 10 is I love this option. Who wants to start with where they are on all in with Baker Mayfield in 2022? All right, no one's raising their hand. That means Dan has to do it. Dan, you go first. Okay. So one is I hate it, and ten is I love it. As yes. Um, I'm g- God. This is boring. I think I'm just gonna go right in the middle. I'm gonna go five because as down as I as down as I've been on it, I understand it at this point, and I understand the idea that you're looking out there and saying what is actually out there that is better that that makes us better next year. And if that doesn't exist, then okay. You know, maybe you just have to run it back. Uh, I, the, the reason I don't like it is I don't necessarily believe in the guy anymore. But 
I don't know, maybe he proves you wrong. Like you said, Doug, it's not disastrous for the organization as long as they stand by the guys they have in charge if it doesn't go well. And I do think there's a part of this that is maybe a sign of a healthy organization that they're not just in complete panic mode the day or two days after the season is over. Everything still feels stable. If something else comes along, maybe they'll explore it. So I'm going to go right in the middle and just give it a five. Like I get it. I don't love it, but sometimes you just have to do what makes sense at the time. Scott, you're next. I'm going to go higher than that. I'm going to say seven. Um, I guess I'm a little more comfortable with this. I guess with the belief that you're going to get a healthy Baker Mayfield with the belief that uh, that could mean we see the better version of him. You know, they have a lot more in-house data on what works well with him and what doesn't. Um, And I, I think I have a little more faith in, and them figuring that out when he's healthy for this season. I don't, I don't know if that means he's the answer long-term, but I think looking at all our options that we'll be talking about, um, I'm at a seven here. Ashley. I am going to go the lowest so far. I'm at a four. Um, I just don't like this option compared to some of the other ones we're going to talk about later in the week slash next week. And I think my biggest issue with it, and Doug, you wrote this in your intro story about how rare this is. This is a road that is rarely taken by teams. And I think you looked at first rounders between 2011 and 2018. So 12 of those quarterbacks were gone before they reached the fifth season with their original teams. 10 of those quarterbacks signed an extension before they reached their fifth season, which we should say there's still time technically to do that if Baker Mayfield and the Browns agree to that this offseason. And Baker would be just the third quarterback from all those years of 25 to play on that fifth-year option with the team that drafted him. And it's only Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Those are the other two. So I just think it doesn't necessarily work. And I would, I think I would prefer you know, like I said, another option that we're going to talk about later in the week, but you're really just giving yourself no cushion with this. And there are ways to, I think, keep him here and keep him relatively happy and still give him some form of a vote of confidence while also giving yourself a safety net. Because I'm with Dan, like, I don't know how much confidence I have in him going forward because I do think there are issues that are not related to the injury. Like Mary Kay was talking about some processing issues that he has. I think that's been something that's been mentioned for years with him that maybe got overlooked last year in some of these good games that he had. Um, But I think that was really prevalent this year. And I think there are just better options that they could take um, when we look at all of these. I'll go next and we'll save Mary Kay for the end. I'm a three, mostly exactly what Ashley said. I just think a safety net is better. I think the reason that you would you would do it is if you believe the fact of doing it, of not having more of a safety net behind him makes him better than if you think he would not react well to a veteran competition or a highly drafted rookie or anything else. And it's like, I, if we're either like all in with him or we're out, right? I mean, maybe, maybe if you have that view of it, um, I would understand it. I don't think you have to be that way. And I agree with the processing stuff. Is there just enough other things that happened this year that don't, See, that they don't seem 100% directly tied to the injury that would continue to maybe raise some questions, which is why to go all in with him. And I just worry, not worry about, but I think this young core is ready to win. 
in a lot of ways. And I think they sort of deserve the respect of being the whole franchise being ready to win. And you don't want to create any sort of bad feelings. If it's like, man, why didn't we have a better plan beyond just this guy? So I'm at a three Mary Kay. We'll wrap it up with you. Um, Before I give you my number real quick, I think there's two really quick points that I would like to make Uh, when we're talking about Jameis Winston. I think we should at least point out that he did go on to have some really nice success with the Saints. He went five and two uh, at the beginning of the season before getting injured. And he ended up with 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. So I think it's just, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't at least point out that, yeah, he didn't work out with his original team, but they're, the Jameis Winston story might not be over yet. So, uh, you know, just part of the data. Uh, And then the other thing, super, super quick, is the fact that there's a con that we didn't mention. And I think we have to bring it up. And that is the fact that uh, Baker Mayfield uh, did did have a disconnect with Kevin Stefanski this season over play calling issues um, and just how he was used and, and whatnot. And Uh, And that's not just from my sources and that's not just from all the different people that I've talked to about this issue over the season. This is straight out of Baker Mayfield's mouth. We heard him two times rip Kevin Stefanski's play card. So when we're talking about running it back, uh, I think that has to be factored in. Are they running it back with Kevin Stefanski still calling the plays and those two guys trying to work together? Because if that's how it's going to be, then I think there, there are going to be problems. So that's probably one of the reasons why I'm going to give it a four right now, because um, I think that sort of discord spilled over into other players and there were little gripings and rumblings going on and that's just not good for anybody. So, um, so I'm going to give, I'm going to give the uh, complete run back a four uh, in part because of that issue. So we will get your opinions on this over the course of this series, especially our Browns insiders on our tech subscription. Um, we'll reach out to you guys. We'll might put it out to some other people too. Just like what, what idea do you like best? What version of this? This is the first option. We've got four more options coming over the next several days. So we'll keep track of our ratings, which in the end, which got the highest rating of the options from the five of us. We'll have you guys check in on that. Again, we have stories at cleveland.com slash Browns that sort of lay out some of the options. And then we'll be here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast talking it out for Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Dan Lobby. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.